Welcome back to Divorce and Done. I'm Rob Woodward, joined by Darren Schmidt. We're divorce lawyers helping you move through the six divorced and done steps to move through your divorce quickly and efficiently without bankrupting yourself emotionally or financially. Everything we talk about in Divorced and Done is for your information, but it is not legal advice or legal opinion of any kind. Darren Schmidt, how are you? I am good. How are you doing? I am well. We've just come through a major uh, downpour of rain here in Calgary and more rain through the week. Um, uh, hopefully, don't have to fire up the boat, but uh, th- things have been okay. Things are very green. I was golfing on the weekend for Father's Day with my family, and it rained partway through, so we sort of had the Vancouver experience thinking out toward uh, your neck of the woods, but uh, things are well. It's been raining for two months straight where I am in the Okanagan. It's just been... um, It's actually flooding here in Lumbee, where I live. Um, There's a number of creeks that run through the White Valley, uh, which is our sort of region, the va- val- mountain range valley that I live in. And so there's so many creeks, they're all named, but I don't know them all. Like there's probably half a dozen creeks that sort of run in a creek system, if you will, through Lumbee. And unfortunately, there's been flooding in parts of our downtown in our community. So we've had the regional district of the North Okanagan and other first responders and members of the community out sandbagging and, and helping with dredging of the Creek systems and those sort of things. And a number of people, their, their homes have flooded because of the rain, because of the snowpack still uh, melting at the higher mountain ranges. So it's a stark contrast from last year. This time last year, we were in a heat wave our heat dome or whatever you call it, it was plus 40 degrees. So, I mean, people are thankful that it's not um, that hot for fire risk reasons, but if, you know, if it's not fire, it's flood. And so, I mean, yeah, it's tough for a lot of people. So anyway, I, my hat's off to everyone that's helping out people dealing with tough weather conditions across BC right now. Um, cause it's, yeah, there's, it's not just Lumbee. There's other areas that are impacted by flooding, but. Well, you um, and I had our extended visit last summer and I remember I came out to visit with the interior in my car that one day you and I got in the car and the car said it was like 45 degrees. Yeah. And unfortunately then it was fire season after that. Do you have any information yet or are there any fire risks right now? Or has that all been severely diminished just because of all the water you've had? Yeah, I think there's about a zero fire risk, at least where I am. And I think broadly across BC, um, just because it has rained so much, uh, we were were recording here sort of, yeah, middle of June. Um, It's quite odd to have this much rain um, for this time of year. But yeah, zero fire risk, which, which is nice. Should we roll in some of our questions? Yeah, so... um, of course, if you send us questions, we will get to them eventually. We have some here in the hopper. Send them to us. Lawyers talking about divorce at gmail.com is our email account or speakpipe.com slash divorced and done, A-N-D, done. You can leave up to a 90-second voicemail message and we will play it on the episode and answer your question or comment. We have a speak pipe that we got, so why don't we roll into that, Rob? So I'm separate apart from what part four months, four or five months, and I need to use the credit card, an enjoyed account credit card, and 
bank account money. Can I go there and drop some money or not? Sounds like the question, but pretty clear. Uh, has a bank account, has a joint credit card. He's been separate and apart, and I appreciate he used the word separate and apart. Yeah. How do we deal with joint money? Yeah, go ahead, Darren. Uh, my first thought here is let's not use a joint credit instrument post-separation. That's not that, That's probably not ideal for various obvious reasons um, because then it gets complex. Um, your, your, your ex is going to say, well, why are you putting purchases on a joint credit card? I hope you pay it because if you don't, it would impact my credit um, my credit score, right? If we don't pay the credit card off. So my, uh, my first piece of advice on this would be to not use the jointly owned credit card and go get your own credit card. Rob, what do you think? Same thing for banking. I completely agree. Uh, if you have joint bank accounts and joint credit cards, you stop using those effective the data separation. Perhaps you and your ex can agree on if you're both depositing paychecks or whatever money is going into that bank account, that you will either divide some or all of it, if you can come to that agreement at the point of separation. If you can't, and there's going to be a fight over what's in that bank account, I would suggest stop using the bank account, freeze the credit card or cancel it, even if there's a balance on it, as long as that balance is being maintained. So that minimum interest is being paid and open a new bank account in your own name, open a new credit card in your own name. So it's really easy when you get to that property division stage to what we do to do what we call tracing to look back and say what happened when and you can say effective July 1 or whatever day I had new bank accounts, new credit cards, all my expenses came out of there. So there's no question. Go get your own credit card um, and make sure you don't put too much of a limit on it. You want to have an appropriate limit on that credit card so that you don't rack up a bunch of debt, especially if you're going through, uh, and you obviously are, your separation or divorce. Um, it's easy to get stressed out through that process. It's easy to overspend. This is not a finance podcast by any stretch, but uh, the last thing you want to do is add more stress to your life by having way more debt than you otherwise need. Now is a great time, especially if you're working through your financial statement, financial disclosure early in your divorce process to really have a hard look at where is my money going to after I receive my paychecks or my income from my business, what am I doing with it? And at Rob, you always say that financial disclosure is often the first instance people have taken a really hard look at what am I spending my money on? And this is a great opportunity. We've said this before, we'll say it again. When people do start building those budgets with their lawyers going, where is every dollar going every month? Is an opportunity for you to say, yep, breaking up with this person. I'm going to use this as a fresh start, not only personally, romantically, but financially too. And there's, Darren, as you said, we're not a financial podcast, but there are great resources online. Uh, you need a budget.com, YNAB.com, and my personal favorite, uh, Dave Ramsey and all the folks over at Ramsey Solutions. Give that a Google and they can talk to you all about debt, getting out of debt, and building wealth into the future, which is something everyone should want to do at any point in time, but especially if you've just come through divorce. Like Dave Ramsey, we're better than we deserve. That's, you betcha. Uh, Okay, let's go to question two. It's an email, 
and the subject line of it is, it's ugly. Okay, well, let's roll up our sleeves and deal with it through the divorced and done steps. Listener says, would love to have a chat about my case. Um, well, let's let's do that. We'll do it here with everyone else on the podcast. Of course, we don't reveal your identity, but um, we trust that you would want this question shared for the benefit of everyone. There's other people likely going through similar facts. Uh, listener says, my ex and I have been separated for 15 years and he used to make at least 110000 uh, but he lost his employment in Alberta because he couldn't pass a urine sample. Uh, he must have worked, uh, I'm guessing, somewhere in um, a primary industry, construction or oil sands or something, I'm just guessing. Uh, but anyway, couldn't pass a urine sample and then he moved to Nova Scotia and has been collecting employment insurance ever since. He's now 53 years old. We have a 17-year-old son together, and he was a step-parent of my now 21-year-old child. He took out his pension early, and I told MEP, which is uh, Alberta's Maintenance Enforcement Program, I told them in 2019 that this happened, and they did nothing to follow up with what I said. Last year, in 2021, he... um, received his pension money and refused to pay arrears and now has made an application to reduce his amount of child support. I'm not certain if he would have brought that application in Alberta or Nova Scotia. It doesn't say. Um, But the listener says, yet he has not provided all his financials despite filing this application, including where his pension money is. Um, Maintenance Enforcement Alberta has not done a good job in my view as His arrears are now at $40,000 and he wants to zero them out. Um, The listener says that in her view, maintenance enforcement could have done more to ensure that there wasn't $40,000 in arrears and leaves it at that. So uh, Rob, the listener is upset with basically her ex being underemployed, uh, not making the money he could be making. Uh, if he was to be engaged full-time in his work, making at least $110,000. And now she has a problem with Alberta's uh, enforcement agency, maintenance enforcement program, and trying to collect on $40,000 in child support arrears. What are your thoughts on this? So the listener here directs a lot of her ire at MEP. This is not so much an MEP issue, because keep in mind, MEP in Alberta... FMEP and BC, uh, the Family Responsibility Office in Ontario, are just creditor agencies. And all they do are enforce existing orders on file. We know nothing from this listener what sort of child support order is on file. Has the court been updated uh, since he was formerly making income, making the 110 a year? Uh, Has that happened? Have you gone through updated disclosure? You're aware he's taking his pension but we don't know much more than that. You suggest there's arrears of $40,000. He's maybe making some sort of claim to have those arrears reduced. The first question we have to ask, instead of saying creditor agency, this is your fault, what sort of case does dad have to reduce his income? Is his leaving his job however many years ago and just saying, well, I'm 53, uh, I'm on EI, I can't work, Is that a legitimate claim to be making? And on the information we have, we don't know. So I would really suggest to the listener, let's look into the financials. Let's look at dad's work history. 
he's not really of the age that he should be retired yet unless he's had some sort of disability or something that can prevent him from working and earning 110 maybe it's reasonable for him to do that now maybe not but this is something that needs to go through court you need to go through updated disclosure to consider where everything is what the lay of the land is today because as we know the rule is everyone has a responsibility to support their children. You have two children, a 17-year-old, still a minor, and a 21-year-old. If that 21-year-old is still dependent on you uh, and cannot withdraw from your charge, that is living with you or going to post-secondary, there likely is some responsibility on dad to still pay support. And turning very briefly to the question of arrears, you say there's arrears of 40000 he wants them to be zero. The general legal test for arrears, at least in Alberta, is not so much the question of why the arrears should be what they are or should they be zero, but will those arrears ever be paid? Does dad have the ability to pay those arrears, even if he can't pay all of them right now? So I think there's lots of questions there. There's more work that needs to be done looking at dad's ability to work and those financials, instead of just focusing on the work of our creditor enforcement agencies, uh, where I would suggest perhaps your focus is misplaced, come back to the divorced and done steps, and let's do a refresh on child support, particularly because you've been separated for 15 years. I'm thinking of uh, Colucci and Colucci. We did your an episode case. on that last year around this time because it came out, I want to say, around this time last year. Um, Colucci versus Colucci is a Supreme Court of Canada decision. Um, written by Justice Martin on behalf of the majority of that court. And I, I won't go into the specific details, but the question under cases like this, where there's arrears of child support and the payor wants to retroactively vary those or eliminate those, the question becomes, when did that payor give effective notice to you, the recipient, either through maintenance enforcement or directly to you, where you had noticed that their income was not what it should be and that they want to vary the amount of child support that they're paying going forward. If a payor of child support just ignores a court order and the arrears rack up and rack up and rack up, they haven't really taken any steps to notify you that they wish to take measures to reduce the child support. So if... um. If you wish to oppose his application to retroactively vary the child support or eliminate the arrears, you and your lawyer are likely going to be thinking a lot about the Colucci decision. So not that I want to direct you to yet another place to go look for more information about this, but if you truly are curious about the decision of Colucci, you can go back and listen to that episode. It's it's in our... Um, it's in our uh, list of episodes from last year, and you can read probably blogs or other things about the Colucci decision, but I think this is a Colucci, uh, it's a Colucci case. So let's go to our uh, third question, Rob. Listener says, hello, I'm from Alberta. I have a 12-year-old son who's in multiple high-level sports. My son also has ODD, which I looked up. It means oppositional defiant disorder. It's a type of behavior disorder mostly diagnosed in childhood. Children with ODD are uncooperative, defiant, and hostile towards peers 
parents, teachers, and authority figures, and they have trouble associating with others. So the listener says, my 12-year-old son has ODD and being in high-level sports helps maintain and um, sort of overcome that without use of medications. I am in the process of going back to court to have Section 7's reviewed. Again, Section 7 is Section 7 of the Federal Child Support Guidelines, which governs the sharing of special and extraordinary expenses for minor children of separated parents. Section 7's are those type of expenses which are not otherwise covered by the monthly table amount of child support in separated households. So the listener is going back to court to have Section 7's reviewed. We had a, her and her ex, a 200 a month order for child care, when it, which came off as soon as the child turned 12 and 150 a month for sports. So it looks like their current order had specified monthly amounts for those types of Section 7 expenses, that being child care, and 150 a month for sports. The listener says, I've been calculating the costs for my son's sports, including fees and equipment, and I've not included travel, gas, hotel. Since August 2021, it's been about $8,000. Okay, so in the last year, it's been about $8,000 because we're in June. So 10 months, $8,000. Winter and spring hockey, snowboarding, and tumbling lacrosse, swimming, and golf. I'm not looking for retroactive payments, just adjusted moving forward. In September of 2022, he will be attending Hockey Academy for school and thus removing swimming and golf. His snowboarding team has moved to Calgary, and I'm unsure if he'll be able to train from so far away. How do I go about asking for the correct wording to ensure the costs of his entire sports are included? Uh, Registration, cash calls, equipment, hotels, costs for travel, academy, and training camps. I've never had a lawyer as things always went pretty easy when our son was younger, and now it's getting a little more complex. We go through MEP, again, Maintenance Enforcement Program, must be an Alberta listener for recalculation. Oh, it is an Alberta listener. I said that at the outset. We go through MEP for recalculation for base support. He makes more money than me, but I'd like uh, 50-50 on his sports costs. Um, So anyway, I think I'll leave it there. There's some other minor details at the end of the question. So the question is, they have a standing order her and the uh, ex-spouse for monthly sums to cover specified section seven expenses, $200 a month for childcare and $150 a month flat for sports. And the listener says, well, now we're spending a lot more on sports. And over the last 10 months, we've spent about $8,000. The things that she's calculating in that $8,000 include not just the registration fees, and uh, those those pieces for the sporting activities, but also the hotel costs and the gas costs and travel costs in that $8,000. Um, the listener wants to know how to vary the order so that the correct amount of Section 7s can be accounted for. I'll just jump in at the start. So there's a couple things here, Rob, and then I'll turn it over to you. One is, is the listener and the opposing party, the ex-spouse, Are they communicating about the child's enrollment in these activities or is she unilaterally doing it? That's thing one. Thing two is, what do we include in Section 7 expenses? Do we include the gas? Do we include the hotel costs for travel for the high-level sports? Uh, Those are a couple questions that turn to my mind, but you may see a whole bunch of other things here. So, Rob, what do you think of this? 
Sports for children are really expensive. And the listener says what I see that's really important. They've, uh, the, the parties here have had zero contact by choice. So that's thing one. So I'm going to assume they're not talking about this. Her son is now 12. He's been in these sports since he was six. So if he's been in these sports since he was six, it should have been no surprise when this child support order was initially sought. The sports expenses were $150. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't say that. I, I apologize. You read the last sentence of the question and I didn't read that. So I apologize. I left that detail out. That's okay. So he's been in these sports since he was six. $150 a month was dedicated by the court to sports. That equates to $1,800 a year payable from dad. $8,000 is a huge departure from $1,800, particularly particularly for a 12-year-old. I don't want to say that it's bad that he's in these things. Not at all. I mean, with ODD, as the listener suggests, being in these sports helps maintain um, his condition, his focus, makes him better. Those things are wonderful. But when we look at Section 7 expenses, one of the base pieces of the test is, are these things reasonable? And that reasonable analysis comes from looking at the incomes of the parties globally and their lifestyles generally. And I would suggest Unless both of you are made of or earning exceptionally high sums of money and are living um, a very rich lifestyle, those eight thousand dollars for sports. If your average income, you're an average income family, the income of you and your ex together is let's say less than one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. I'm going to suggest eight thousand dollars is excessive. Uh, I'm glad to know that the listener is not seeking the arrears on that to court, assuming that uh, dad was not aware of all of these things and the expenses the listener was incurring. I don't think a court would be too sympathetic in terms of untangling those pieces. On a go-forward basis, the court will want to know what the two of you have tried to do to work those out together to determine what's reasonable, and it's going to limit those expenses just to things like registration costs and equipment costs, other things you're incurring, hotel costs, travel costs, um, your time potentially being off work, whatever, for these high-level sports, moving the moving your son around wherever you're going in the province or elsewhere, are likely not going to be captured uh, under a Section 7 analysis, and that will just have to come out of your Section 3 base support or whatever work you're doing to make it possible for your son to attend those sorts of sports. Darren? Yeah. Yep. Um, your... It, look, the the piece I don't like about this is that there is no communication about enrollment in those sports activities. So the first hurdle you're going to face is presuming you and your ex are both joint guardians. You both have joint decision-making for your child. And his first um, argument against possibly paying for go-forward Section 7 expenses to the tune of $8,000 every 10 months, his proportionate share of that is, I wasn't consulted about enrollment in these activities. And if, as you say, Rob, the global income between both households is not sufficient to reasonably meet those expenses, the, a court, when looking at this, might just say, that's great, mom, you want to enroll your child in these activities, you can bear those costs if you wish, but we're not going to proportionately share those. 
I just wanted to touch on the gas and hotel piece from your question. Those are not Section 7 expenses. Uh, th- th- those portions of your expenses are not considered under Section 7 of the Federal Child Support Guidelines. So the enrollment fees um, are not typically considered, or they are considered a Section 7. But um, you should you should reach out and see if you can resolve this by consent with your ex-spouse. I get there's a zero, zero contact or whatever built into your understanding with your ex. But this is something where you do require some communication between the two of you to see if you can work this out and not tie up court time and court resources fighting about this. See if you can work over the next couple of months. We're going into the summer. Hockey's going to kick up in the fall. Can you come to an agreement on sharing of these costs so that you don't have to litigate this because you won't probably get an answer from a court inside of the next six months anyway? So see if you can come to some agreement. Um, but anyway, thank you for the question. We really appreciate that. You sent it to us and we wish you all the best moving forward. Laren Schmidt, thank you for being with me. This has been Divorced and Done and we look forward to being with you again.